Hello, everybody. This is Rob Fredette with Hot Podge with Rob Fredette, and we are at episode seven, and we have something exciting here on my uh, podcast. I have a special guest. His name is Sean Donovan, and he is a friend of mine from way back up in Massachusetts. I'm down here in Memphis, Tennessee, but he's up in New Hampshire. And Sean, welcome to this podcast. We're talking Van Halen. I can't wait. Rob, thanks for having me. I always love talking Van Halen, so this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Been a huge fan of theirs since... uh, since high school when I first heard them. And uh, anytime someone wants to talk about Van Halen, I'm up for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are not experts of Van Halen. We are fans of Van Halen. So I am totally pumped up. I had to listen to Van Halen prior to uh, today, uh, different albums. I actually listened to Sean's favorite album, Unchained. I mean, fair warning, excuse me. And uh, I had listened to Unchained and uh, I was getting fired up. I'm even fired up now, but we're going to go ahead and get started. But uh, basically, um, Sean, when did you hear about Van Halen? What was your first recollection of Van Halen? And uh, I'll talk about mine as well. Um, excuse me. My first uh, recollection was uh, high school. Uh, I didn't really hear, hear much of them on the radio, only because I didn't really listen to the radio back then. But um, uh, a, a kid in one of my, my classes, it was actually a biology class, uh, was wearing a Van Halen concert T-shirt, and I asked him about it. And it was uh, it was off the uh, the Fair Warning album, the Fair Warning tour. So he he kind of told me about it and said, you know, he goes, "Oh, you'd love it." So I actually I bought Fair Warning was the first album I bought, and uh, found out they had three before that, and went out and bought all all three of them, all four of them actually, and uh, that's when I first heard heard about them and uh, or heard them in any detail, and uh, I've been hooked on it ever since. Yeah, I uh, my first album was uh, the self-titled first album, Van Halen, um, Running with the Devil and Eruption, uh, leading into the uh, the Kinks, um, You Really Got Me. Um, that was definitely my first recollection. That was the first album I ever bought, and I'm sure there's millions of people out there who heard Van Halen for the first time and had the same feelings, but I remember uh, vividly Eruption, how that just like sucked you in for that minute and a half or so and i remember just listening to it and it just it, it hooked me and i've been a fan ever since what 1978 oh absolutely i'm it it man eruption was crazy hearing that the first time i was like what the hell is this and how does somebody do that with a guitar or any instrument really but uh a friend of mine uh his older brother uh you know was was into uh van halen too and the first time he said he heard it, him and his friends were like, what is this? <laughs> because there was just no other sound like it. And uh, yeah, you can even uh, look at, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Back to the Future in the movie. Yes, sir. When uh, he uh, Michael J. Fox puts the uh, cassette of Van Halen in the, in the Walkman and puts it on his dad's ears and while he's trying to sleep. And it says Edwin Van Halen on it, and he just starts cranking on it. That's probably what it sounded like. For someone back in 1955 to hear that is how it sounded to me when I first heard it. So, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Nice, nice. Uh, looking back at Back to the Future, I totally forgot about that part in that movie. A great movie. I'll have to go back and watch that. That gives uh, gives me uh, some good incentive to watch that. But when I think, when you think of Van Halen, you think of the four original band members: David Lee Roth, the front man, lead singer jumping, doing splits in the air, Alex Van Halen, the drummer and brother of Eddie Van Halen. And then you had Michael Anthony on bass guitar. So 
those four really, really got the world going in rock and roll in 1978. And this was a band, you know, prior to hitting it big time. They were on the road, uh, after reading a few articles about it, they were on the road like five nights a week. They were on the road five nights a week, and you could just tell the how they, you know, polished their sound when they got to that first album. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're playing five nights a week, it's like, you know, it's, you know, like going to work every day. You get good at your craft. You get good at your job. You know, so for them to be able to to do that five nights a week, and plus it, it for them, it was I'm sure it was a lot of fun, and they loved doing it. So it wasn't like it was work at all, probably. <laughs> well, you know, I, you I, know? I, yeah, and. You know, they were playing five gigs a night as well. Five gigs a night. They would drive around uh, Van Halen from Pasadena, California. They were driving around and play gigs. They would play high school dances. They would play weddings, uh, from what I read. And it was pretty interesting just how they, they mastered their craft. So when you're talking uh, rock and roll in the 70s, you're talking Bad Company. Led Zeppelin was definitely on the mark. ZZ Top, Boston, the Eagles, Pink Floyd, the Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, Deep Purple, The Who, Leonard Skinner, the Doobie Brothers, Queen, Kiss, and many, many more. But Van Halen definitely caught the attention of the rock and roll world and also millions and millions of fans with their self-titled album, Van Halen, which was released on February 10th, 1978. So that album definitely hit the mark back then, didn't it, Sean? Holy smokes, I was 11. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i definitely uh yeah definitely uh it definitely did like i said like my first recollection of it was you know say a warning in high school and uh a kid in my biology class was telling me all about it like he saw him in concert uh, uh and he had been to a couple of their shows and uh he just said it was he goes oh you gotta buy this album so buying fair warning first and then going back and buying the other three was just was just crazy oh getting back to the back to the future thing I saw a video on, it was probably Facebook, or one of the Van Halen pages or something, and someone asked Eddie if that was him on the recording in Back to the Future, and, he, and Eddie said it was. Wow. He said that it was him, so. So, so here's was, some facts about, cool. uh, yeah, you know, um, that movie there with Eddie Van Halen, uh, with uh, Back to the Future, when you said that was him, that is pretty, that is pretty cool. Um you know, Van Halen was definitely hitting their stride. They were well into it. Uh, Back to the Future, I think it was 1985, if I'm not mistaken. So they yeah. had already come yep. out with 1984. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but uh, oh no, that's fine. I'm uh, I'm getting excited talking about Van Halen. So um, the first album um, cost forty thousand dollars to produce, and uh, oh, wow. forty thousand to produce. <laughs> and you know, I've done some research, and uh, I felt like I was getting a PhD on Van Halen during this. So wow. uh, the album reached number nineteen on the Billboard 200. That is phenomenal, and it sold ten million copies. Ten million that is albums. phenomenal, and that is phenomenal. And the fact that you feel like you have a PhD, we should call you Doctor Rob now. <laughs> You know, Dr. Rob, and what is your specialty? Uh, yes, uh, it is Van Halen. I am not an expert, neither is Sean, but um, you learn new little nuggets about the band. And in 1978, get this, Sean, Rolling Stone critic Charles M. Young predicted that VH, Van Halen, would be fat and self-indulging and disgusting following Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin into the toilet. <laughs> wow. Dang. Well, Man, well, you know I'm, what? I've just never. Understood. I certainly hope. Go ahead. I certainly hope that that per- I certainly hope that that person's out of a job. 
No, I'm only kidding. That was a long time ago. So He predicted they would be fat and indulging and disgusting following Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin into the toilet. That is that is insane. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I thought Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin did pretty good for themselves. So Yeah, they did pretty good. But, uh, you know, um, Van Halen at that time in 78, uh, they were opening up for Journey. Montrose, uh, Sammy Hagar was in that band, and Black Sabbath. Yep. So they were right. – uh, they were playing from what I read back then. They were play, out playing the bands that they were warming up for. Journey, especially, I had read something that uh, that Journey had to get their game up, and also Black Sabbath. Uh, also, right. have you heard that? Yeah, I heard. I heard Black Sabbath. I didn't know about Journey, but I had heard that uh, Black Sabbath had said that you know Van Halen was opening up for him and, and blowing them off the stage, basically. Yeah, and you know Montrose, so. Sammy Hagar was in Montrose. Um, right. and then he would, uh, it's so weird how, how it works out eight years later, he would join in 1986, but we'll talk about that in a later episode. Um, Absolutely. yeah. And you know, tickets back then for a concert were $15 and 60 cents. They were at, holy uh, crap. I could buy like, you know, a hundred of them. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. It's incredible. They were, uh, the uh, Van Halen opened for the stones at the tangerine bowl in Orlando, while they were winding down their uh, their album, fair warning though we're jumping ahead. But in October twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one, it would be the only time that they would uh, second time that they would uh, warm up for the Stones. They did it one other time. So I like to be a fly in the wall during those uh, two shows that the uh, Van yeah. did with the Stones. That would have been very interesting. It's too bad we couldn't uh, we couldn't have any recordings or any video of that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to get to the album now. We know we can't play music, but we can talk about the music. So uh, believe it or not, the album only had 11 songs for 33 minutes on uh, their self-titled Van Halen album. And the album... Was it only 33 minutes? Wow. 30, yeah, 33 minutes. Yeah. 33 they had minutes, a lot 11 of, they songs. They had a lot of short songs. They had a lot of short songs, but they were, they were awesome. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, and, you know, the album cover uh, was... Uh, taken at uh, the Whiskey Go-Go, where they played many shows in the mid-70s. And uh, that is a classic. I had a T-shirt that uh, I bought, you know, a few years ago with the al- that album cover, and it got too short on me, so I think I have to buy another one. So um, you got, It got too short on you? Yeah, you know, yeah. the cotton I have, just... I have that problem, too, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so the so I think the, it's I think it's called gravity. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, gravity as well, and uh, you know. Yep. So, but uh, the first album though uh, had "Running with the Devil" and then uh, "Eruption," which was the uh, minute forty-two instrumental, which led into "You Really Got Me" by the Kinks, which was a cover. Ain't talking right. about love. I'm the one. Love that song. And then uh, side two, Jamie's crying. My all-time favorite Van Halen song. That's my number one. We'll get to yours a little bit later. Atomic Punk, right. Feel Your Love Tonight, Little Dreamer, and Ice Cream Man. So uh, they had a couple of covers don't, on don't that forget, first album. Don't forget On Fire too. That's correct. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. To close it out. Yeah, that was a good one. Yep. And uh, uh, when they um, covered for uh, the Kinks. You really got me. Uh, that song by the Kinks, a great song in its own right, but uh, VH definitely took it to a whole new level, like it was on steroids. Oh, absolutely! That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they could anything they did was just uh, it was like magic, you know. Yeah, and then high, uh, high energy, high energy, a lot of fun. Yeah, they really uh, they blasted onto the scene with that. 
And then Ice Cream Man was a cover for John Brim and um, got nice royalties for that as well. So uh, definitely um, a powerful album. Every song really had power and uh, strength with it. And, you know, Jamie's Crying, I love that song so much. Uh, the drums and the background vocals. And Eddie plays um, that guitar. You know, he says, uh-oh. You can hear him saying uh, Jamie's crying with his guitar, uh-oh, uh, during that song. I think that is just insane. Absolutely. Yeah, what, my, I, my, you know what song I really like, like a lot on that? Uh, the first album is uh, I'm the One. Yes. I really enjoy that. I love the, you know, the bop bop issue. I love when I do that at the end. <laughs> that is cool. Well, I mean, who does that? Who yeah. did that? I mean, you know what I mean? Nobody. That was just kind of, that was kind of neat. So they, I, that's another thing I liked about Van Halen songs. We can get into them as we go through the albums, but like how David Lee Roth would kind of talk in the middle of it after a solo. You know what I mean? It, I, I love that stuff. So that whole thing and with I'm the one, I really, uh, really enjoyed. I mean, the music too, like all, uh, you know, three uh, members that played, you know, the instruments were just, I mean, everything was great. The bass, the drums, and obviously the guitar is insane. But uh, you can thank Michael Anthony for those backing vocals, man. What a voice. Yeah, he uh, he was awesome with the vocals, the background vocals. And I really, really, you know, that album to this day is still so powerful. It's amazing how songs, you know, stand the test of time. That album has definitely stood the test of time over all these years. Here's a good quick fact, though. Um you know, with the, I talked about the ice cream man, uh, David Lee Roth. I got this from songfacts.com when I was doing my research, David Lee Roth pushed to have ice cream man on the first album as a tribute to the blues. So they definitely, he definitely wanted to pay tribute to the blues. And when you really think about any of the covers they ever did, they never did anything to make the song worse. They did it with, I think they did it with class and they actually gave it a different twist. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you would never do a, uh, a cover song to disrespect anybody or to make it look bad, especially, you know, cause, but, uh, yeah, they definitely, uh, they, they definitely did the original songwriters and band members. Uh, they definitely did them right. You know? Yeah. And just one other fact about ice cream man, brim was operating a dry cleaners and a record store in Chicago. And he used his royalties from Van Halen's recording of ice cream man to open up a nightclub in Chicago. So again, we're talking about Van Halen there. They, they David Lee Roth wanted to pay tribute to the blues. Uh, they And also, I also read that um, they could have played any kink song. that They did a lot of covers when they played, but they really right. enjoyed playing the, the kink songs, and they could play any song. And I think they, you know, the kinks were definitely an influence if they were playing them. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, some of the uh, people they used to talk about in bands like uh, Cream, that they, they really liked. They would play some of their songs, I believe, in concert. I didn't I didn't see any of that. Uh, I only saw them once with David Lee Roth on the 1984 tour, but jumping ahead a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah they enjoyed uh, they enjoyed that kind of stuff. Eric Clapton. I mean, that was Eddie said that was his main man, I guess. So they definitely uh, paid tribute to some of the all time all time greats. Absolutely. So. The self-titled Van Halen album definitely hits the mark um, on their first uh, first year. Uh, they you know were... what's you, you know what's great about that too, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to. No, not at you, all. But, uh, please, but look at a lot of it. Look, I mean, you, you look at Van Halen and like songs that you still hear on the radio. So you hear "Run Out with the Devil." Still, you'll hear "You Really Got Me." You'll hear "Ain't Talking About Love." You'll hear "Jamie's Crying," "Ice Cream Man." You'll hear "Feel Your Love," uh, and some they'll even play "Eruption" too. You know. 
And up up in our neck of the woods, I don't know if you guys have it down there, but I don't know if you remember Rock 101. I do. They do. They yeah. They do the block parties. So when they do the block party weekend, they'll you know they'll play three or four songs of a band at a time. You know, and uh, you can always hear those. To me, I compare in my mind anyway. I compare. I don't compare them the way they sound, but just the success they had. I compare like Van Halen, the first release in 1978, to like ACDC's Back in Black. You know what I mean? Like all those songs on both albums just about are still played on the radio today. Absolutely, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, uh, WAF was kicking butt from Worcester, Mass. Back then you could hear Van Halen back then. So, you know, Van Halen was definitely touring a lot of, uh, you know, they had tour dates galore. And uh, soon after that, March 23rd, 1979, Van Halen 2 is released. So this is a uh, another 10-song, 32-minute album. It's amazing all the work that goes into the albums, the practice, the, the recording sessions, all, and then all those hours. And it, it just it's amazing that you only get like 33 minutes and then 32 minutes of an album. That just shows you how hard a working band they were. Right, absolutely. So uh, Van Halen 2, the recording of the album, took place at Sunset Studio, less than a year after the release of their 78 debut Van Halen and uh, Van Halen two recording began December 10th, 1978 after they completed their first world tour and it was complete within a week. That's not crazy. I mean, those guys were just going nonstop. Well, look how, look how, look how they, look how they worked. Like you said, you know, I mean, they did all those shows to promote themselves to get their name out. It's not like today with social media, you can throw a, you know, a demo of a tape on Facebook or Instagram or just get people to look at it. And then before you know it, you got a following, you know, I mean, they had to do it the hard way, like, you know, pound the pavement, so to speak, but to have an album with David Lee Roth, they pumped out an album every year. They did. They, you know? they, yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, they, they, they didn't, I mean, yeah. So uh, Van Halen 2 reached number six on the Billboard 200s. So it reached 19 on their first album. So they're definitely making their mark, and it reached number 23 on the U.K. charts. And uh, basically Van Halen was going to be headlining their own tour. And I got that from MightyVanHalen.net. Van Halen 2 was their first headlining tour. And uh, they played at Boston at the Orpheum on May 13, 1979. And they played down uh. here in Memphis at the Mid-South Coliseum, June 7, 1979. So ticket prices uh, wow. for those concerts around that time, you could be talking about seven $7.50 uh. $7. to go see a concert. You imagine that now, how much how much fun that would be. I couldn't imagine seeing a band like, like, when, you know, like Van Halen in a place like the Orpheum. So anybody, anybody listening to the podcast out there, when you hear this, like the Orpheum in Boston, small place. So picture like a small auditorium with some kind of nostalgic and historic, you know, feel to it. And picture a band like Van Halen back then playing in a place like that. It was just, wow. That would have been really cool to see. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Van Halen played down here, just jump, jumping up a few years. They played... Uh, they played at the Pyramid here in Memphis in contrast with Alice in Chains uh, back in the 90s. And uh, tickets for those were $20 a piece. So prices went up, but not as much. But now you can't even go see a concert for less than 100 bucks if you want to sit, even if you're sitting in the nosebleeds. Yeah, pretty much. 
pretty much. But uh, Van Halen too. <clears throat> listening to that album and uh, the the contrast, like the difference between that and the first album, Van Halen was just was amazing how different it sounded. And um, I love that each album had its own sound to it. I thought that was kind of neat. Like when I was younger at first, I'm like, gee, this doesn't sound like the first one. I don't know if I like it. And then you listen to it and you keep listening to it and you're like, the sound was pretty cool, you know? And uh, they had some cover tunes on Van Halen too, I believe. Yeah, they had um, a You're No Good um, yep. was a cover. And uh, Dance of the Night Away was probably one of the most popular ones. It reached number 15 on the U.S. Billboard. And then Beautiful Girls which I was surprised yeah. that was uh, number 84. I thought that would have been higher, but uh, it was a different sound uh, than their first right. album. It was more yep. of uh, I don't know. They kind of just for me, they kind of like went away from like the hard stuff a little bit that they did yeah. on the first album. And they kind of uh, not softened, but they gave it a, like the band a different sound. Kind of, kind of like a pop. I don't even want to say, I don't want someone to like shoot me on the street for saying disco, but <laughs> almost kind of like that. It was that genre. It was that kind of time frame where disco was kind of heading out kind of thing. It, it's not disco. I'm not saying that, but like it just, it definitely had a different sound to it. And you look at the album cover and like the, some of the pictures of them with those, the big pants, you know, the bell bottom pants, all that kind of stuff, and the way they dress. So um, definitely a different uh, feel to it and a different sound to it. But, uh, Dance of Night Away is still played on the radio today, and so was uh, Beautiful Girls. You hear those two all the time. You yeah, know? One of the better songs I like is uh, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, and then DOA. Um, those are two really... Uh, those are, yeah, DOA is fun. Yeah, DOA, if I had to put one song from uh, the second album, Van Halen 2, I could probably liken DOA to uh, you know the self-titled first album, Van Halen. Um, but, the, you know... Van Halen's coming out with a different sound, you know, than their first album. So they're kind of branching out a little bit more. Um, they're right. headlining their own concerts now. So they're definitely making their mark as far as that's concerned. Um, so it's un- it's really unbelievable how they've, in the first two years, like they actually got out there, uh, that they were, um, you know, really, really getting, uh, ac- you know, act, you know, getting, you know, reviews from, uh, you know, the ticket, uh, ticket sales, but the record sales, um, and their concerts, they were selling out. Oh, absolutely. And you know what I really enjoyed in the second album. And I like when they would do this, when Eddie would throw like a little instrumental in like Spanish fly. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine like being around a campfire and just picking up an acoustic guitar in front of your friends and go, Hey guys, and you just, you just rip out Spanish fly and everyone's looking at it like, Holy shit. Uh, I mean, just, uh, I mean, uh, even to this day, listening to that little little blurb is, is pretty cool. And the beginning to uh, Women in Love, that little harmonic little riff he does at the beginning. I mean, that sounds so cool, too, you know? Yeah, it, uh, it you know, Van Halen 2 is uh, definitely a strong, strong album. Spanish Fly, the instrumental, that was only about a minute. And uh, DOA along with women in love, there were the uh, songs that were over a little over four minutes. So uh, it's amazing. Like I said earlier, the amount of preparation and recording and all those hours just to get 33 minutes. It just, it's amazing how, uh, how that band, you know, they just worked so hard to get where they were at. So, um, you know, the early years of Van Halen are definitely ingrained in my brain. I think I was 13 when, uh, let's see here, 78. Yeah. 13. So, uh, music's a little bit different now than it was back then. So, um, 
you know, there was no social media, no uh, music streaming. You'd go buy the album and then cassettes. And then, then when you had a CD in like the mid eighties, that was like a luxury. And the sound was even like crystal clear. So, um, I don't know what, do you still have CDs from Van Halen? Oh gosh, no, all my stuff's long gone. Nope. I do have a, I do have every Van Halen album on my uh, iTunes or on my iPhone or whatever. So yeah, I have all the music, but I don't have any of the, uh, the old media. But when I, when I was younger, man, I had the record albums, you know, I had a record player, stereo record player. So I had all the record albums and then I bought the cassettes too. Uh, so I had them all on cassette and on, uh, on album. So that was, uh, that was neat. I used to listen to them in my old little, my little old Walkman while I'd play video games like <laughs> Pitfall and Missile Command and Asteroids. And I'd, I'd listen to them and, and with the headphones, you know how you, it would, you know, the music would come out of like the left ear or the right ear, depending on what instrument it was sometimes. I mean, it was just, you could really hear the stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. And man, can that guy play the guitar. So we talked about uh, a review I had from Rolling Stone magazine, how they said they were gonna, Van Halen was going to go in the toilet. I have a review right. here from 1979. Uh, they were at a concert up in Rochester, New York, at the War Memorial Coliseum. So I'm going to try to paraphrase. The headline is Van Halen's Loud and Louder. So looking at this, they play to a wildly enthusiastic sold-out audience amid a barrage of firecrackers trudging their way through 90 minutes of hard rockers such as Running with the Devil, Somebody Get Me a Doctor, and Jamie's Crying. The group played with force of a Mack truck running over a grape. The crowd, which was made up of mainly 13 to 18-year-olds, loved the band despite its limited music appeal. What? You're kidding me. I mean, this is 40 years later. I guess that's why they call media critics. You know, music, limited music appeal. And then uh, this is, I'm going to paraphrase some other stuff here. Drummer Alex Van Halen and bassist Michael Anthony provided a solid yet simplistic rhythm section, while guitarist Edward Van Halen spent most of his time racing up and down the fretboard of his instrument. There's only so much one can do with a three-piece instrumental lineup as such, unless you're the Jimi Hendrix experience, which these guys aren't. It soon becomes tiresome. Are you kidding me? Well, let me alone in a room with that guy. Yeah, I, you know well, this is Bruce Palato <laughs> back in 1979, 40, wow. 43 well, years look at, ago. Look at, look at the music back then. I mean, how different it sounded, like how different Van Halen sounded. So something new, a lot of times people, they don't like something new. They don't like change, you know? Yeah. And then here, and especially here, critics, you know? So it's. Well, you know, I did a, po- I did a podcast me. on Elvis Presley uh, a few weeks ago on the anniversary of his death. He performed on the uh, Hawaii concert he did in the mid-70s. He had 1.5 billion people, 1.5 billion with a B, and they gave him two or five stars. I'm like, what? <laughs> of course. You know, let's see them get up there and do it, right? Yeah. So here, here's the best part of the uh, here is the best part of the review. Here, the problem with the group is that even though they give the audience everything it wants, they fail to provide any variety in their music or musicianship. This these utter simplistic hard rock songs must be supported with flashing lights, smoke, and blazing ear shattering guitar solos. And then, uh, so what's wrong with that? I I don't know. I mean, I mean. <laughs> 
I've been to a Motley Crue concert. That's supposed to be loud. You go to who else? Uh, you know, in excess, that's loud. Um, Anybody's loud. Yeah, Tesla, loud. I mean, I just I just went to Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett up at Fenway Park. How was that? How was that? How was that at Fenway? Uh, you went to two shows, was, didn't you? Yeah, back to back nights. We went Friday and Saturday night. We went Friday. Had tickets for Friday. And then Saturday, we were supposed to go to a balloon fest, of all things. And uh, the four of us opted to kind of, uh, I went in the gas station to uh, go to an ATM and grab some stuff. And I came back out to the car and they said, we want to go to Boston and go to Fenway. So turned around, went went home, got dressed into appropriate concert wear, and then went two nights in a row. So, yeah, it, that was loud. Holy smokes, was that loud. Outside, that was loud. But, uh, yeah, concerts are, are meant to be loud. You're not going there to uh, have it be easy on your ears, that's for sure. No, Van Halen, I remember going to Van Halen um, loud. Loud. Motley Crue, loud. Um, yeah. You know, all the concerts that I've, you know, been to, and, and it's just amazing. Um, you know, it's just unreal. Like, But uh, this, uh, real quick, this uh, critic from Rochester, New York said, Opening the show were the Granati Brothers, an exciting group out of Pennsylvania. They played a vigorous and musically varied 45-minute set that proved them to be one of the more enjoyable openers in recent memory. So, I just don't get it. I know music critics have their part, but you know what? Yeah. I like it. It's uh, Oh, here's the, here's the good one here. Leader, lead singer David Lee Roth teased with his skin-tight pants and wide-open shirt. That's his trademark. That's what a frontman does, constantly gyrating along the rhythm. Physically, <laughs> he is almost a double for G- Big Jim Dandy and lead vocalist with Black Oak. He established a good rapport with the eager audience when he naively shouted, Hey, it smells like dope in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, you know, There's I, no I just, getting around that. I love the reviews. I'm sorry. I just, I had to, I had to get that off my chest. I just, I, you know, music critics are great. You know, they provide, you know, a different, you know, for us, uh, Van Halen groupies who think nothing's wrong. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it's amazing how they come out with these, uh, uh, how popular they become. I mean, obviously you look back now, it's like, what, what are they, what, are they watching the same concert that we're watching? Yeah, Exactly. Well, you know what? When it comes down to it, you're the one who, you know, we're the ones who like it. And if someone else doesn't like it, who gives a crap? But, you know, we think it's awesome. Uh, man, these first two albums of Van Halen, Van Halen and Van Halen 2, just outstanding, you know. And uh, I love uh, listening to my Van Halen uh, playlist, you know, in my car when I'm driving around. And, you know, I, I, I crank it all the time. And uh, as we're closing out this this first episode yes, sir. albums. Yeah, the, so um, a little song that uh uh off of Van Halen too that I don't think a lot of people talk about I really love is uh Light Up the Sky. That's yes. a good tune. You know? Absolutely. I and, wish we uh, could play like a little snippet, but we can't. But if you know Van Halen, you know what song we're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, I'm looking forward. We're gonna do all the albums, right? This will be a lot of fun. So. Yeah, we're gonna do all the albums. I'm we're gonna get into Sammy to and then uh I'm just going to say this for Van Halen. I was, you know, after, I know we're just, we're, I always expected more after like the mid nineties. I was always wanting more, like probably a million other Van Halen fans always wanted more. And, Absolutely. But, uh, 
So we are done with episode seven, and we are done with the first album, Van Halen, and Van Halen 2. Episode eight coming up next week, and we're going to be talking Women and Children first, their third album, and Fair Warning, which is Sean's favorite album. You're going to hear about yeah. that. Um, yes, and I yes, listen yes, to yes. it. I listen to you it. You mean today. I get to? I get to? I get to do this again? I can come back? Yeah, you you passed the test. You get to come back. And oh, uh, awesome, that's cool. <laughs> Thank you, America. Thank I feel you. like American Idol. Thank you for now, voting for me. We are not experts. We are fans. But if you have any anything about Van Halen that you know feedback, please let me know. Hodgepot all in at yahoo.com. We will see you next week with episode number eight. Good night, America. <laughs>